ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Nashville Tour Stop Podcast. My name is Aaron, and we've got Aaron Cooper, the other one, sitting across the table from me in our tiny, uh, tiny padded office. The less cool Aaron, arguably, I am. I think we've already said that. I think we said that on the last episode. Well, that's how I'm going to do my intro every time. Oh, great. <laughs> I can have a signature thing. Yeah, that can be your signature welcoming <laughs> saying, I'm not cool. There you go. <laughs> Wouldn't want it any other way. Well, thanks for listening again to the Nashville Tour Stop podcast. I'm excited to be doing this again with uh, Coops on the other side. <laughs> uh, we've uh, we've been working really hard lately at Nashville yeah. Tour Stop, and I had a hell of a week behind me. But oh. um, uh, this will come out, let's see, it's almost the end of March 2022, just in case someone's listening to this and like, 2030 wow who knows the aliens the aliens <laughs> yeah but it's uh the end of march and uh we've had a had some uh drama in uh the the world of music most recently the things i texted coops about the other day oh man i know but we'll uh we'll bring that up we'll keep the audience guessing what that could be yeah we're not gonna, I'm gonna serve the tea just i'm gonna yet. bring it up but um, <laughs> oh no but today uh we're gonna do uh we're going to continue to help you guys get kind of to know Coops and myself a little bit better. Uh, yay. Um, eventually, we will probably do interviews with artists uh, and, you know, just chat with them, drink with them, do whatever we want. <laughs> but for now, we're going to keep doing uh, some stuff that's fun skis for us. And we're going to do uh, a list episode today. Oh, and, man. Um, this is going to be five favorite albums from, from each of us. And I don't want to say they're our all-time favorite albums, but... I, a oh, lot of them, that's how I took this assignment. There, there's, yeah. Well, I don't know if I could narrow mine down to five. I mean, I, I told you that this morning. I was like, <laughs> I, can't, I can't pick my fifth. There's like eight. Yeah, <laughs> p- narrowing it down to five was really hard. But uh, yeah, we're going to go down uh, some of our favorite albums from, uh, from our past. And uh, I, I have honorable mentions. Aaron will notice that there's oh, more than five on sure. my list. <laughs> but uh do you, do you have anything you want to update us on outside of the list before we dive in? Just life? Uh, uh, uh. You can I, say no. I mean, I'm just. If nothing is happening, I guess that's. I mean, I'm just stoked to be here and our projects are really cool that we have and uh, I'm having a great time. Have you gone on any dates lately? Technically, yes. Oh. oh. <laughs> Technically. <laughs> yes. But. Is there a figuratively not? Wait, I mean, no. I just, yeah, I mean, I'm going on dates. I'm going to ask you this every week now. Okay. Just like you say that you're the less cool, I'm going to pester you about boys that you're going out with. Okay, cool. <laughs> well, until it's someone interesting like Harry Styles, I won't really have much to report. We're still Spoiler trying. alert. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, I can confirm I am not dating Harry Styles for everyone who was wondering. Yeah, you know. if you met Harry Styles, I would never hear the end of it. I would pee my pants at least 11 times. <laughs> Screaming, crying, and throwing, throwing up. up. That, that is, is one of my many slogans. That is one of Aaron's catchphrases, <laughs> if there ever was one. I have many. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, before we dive into like what the actual albums are okay. that we're going to discuss, first, I will say that when we talk about mine, I don't know if we're going to go back and forth or if we're going to do Yeah, like we'll yours. go. We'll, we'll, tr- we'll do trade skis. So... <laughs> I think for for those of the people listening who know me, 
will probably be surprised. Hi, mom. Hi, my mom, too. My parents were so excited. They were like, when can we listen to the podcast? <laughs> when I was telling them that I was going to be doing gonna this be today. On the podcast? And I was like, well, it'll you be might a couple have weeks. The, you might have the only parents in America that are excited to hear they have a child on a podcast. Oh, they were so stoked to hear about this. Um, <laughs> Hi, Grandma. Hi, Grandpa. I know you're listening to me. <laughs> um, but people who are listening who know me may be surprised by my album choices because I'll go ahead and, and spoil this, not that anyone really cares, but even though everyone knows how much I love Harry Styles, he did actually not make the top five. What? A Harry's, despite the fact I have his vinyl on my wall. And, and, and that his, you just said you want to date him. Yes. And I, that you would pee your pants. I would. I, I love, <laughs> I'll get more into this later and explain why, but his, I love his albums, don't get me wrong, but the other ones that I have made the list so we'll, we'll get more into that but i also I'll, I'll follow your your guidance on this i have criteria that i want to discuss with you about how one chooses what their favorite albums are a mm. list of of reasons or things to consider which we can go through in a minute or now or we can go through that now okay so <laughs> the cry is this the journalist in me what are you, you, I'm uh, done. Just, you can go ahead. Um, this is probably the journalist in me being extremely um, just detail-oriented about what are we considering when going through something as just innocent and general as favorite albums. Um, but especially as someone who doesn't claim to be an artist or in any way like a music expert, but simply just a fan of music, these are things that I was pondering. So... When we're considering what defines a favorite album, is it the actual musical quality and cohesion of the album in terms Wait, of- Are you talking about like literally what it sounds like? Yes, like how quote unquote good the music is. Does it flow together as one cohesive piece as an oh, album does? That's not how I did any of that. I was okay. just like, what songs do I like? Fair enough. <laughs> See, that's again why I'm asking this because I'm sh I'm sure some people would be like, oh, well, like, is the album itself actually like musically advanced or quote unquote <clears throat> correct, right? And then another thing is the unskippability of the that's album. That's one of the big factors I chose. Yes. Can you listen through the album start to finish in order and not want to skip? any of the songs right yeah, that's how i picked most of mine and then kind of going on that same line there how groundbreaking the album is do we like the album because it set a standard that hadn't been set before did it accomplish something in its genre or whatever that was Man, new that's gonna make me teeter between some of my my choices <laughs> exactly these are the things we need to be thinking about aaron <laughs> okay and then this one is probably what i based most of my choices okay. on and this is definitely not just like what are the five best albums ever period but what are the five favorite albums to oneself and that is where you were when you heard this album or when you connected to this album yeah, in your in your life. That's a good way to do it. Like, what did this album mean to you or do for you? How did Ooh, you connect to it? I gotta make a it? note to talk about that because I have one of those for, for one of mine. Okay. See, this is how I went through because all of these things 
play a part into my choices, but it's going to be different for everybody, right? And right. I was like, okay, so how does one pick their personal, quote-unquote, best albums or favorite albums? So anyway, that's context on what I was thinking <laughs> about with my choices and maybe you too. Okay. Okay, well, since... <laughs> Since we've got now all of the, shall we say, criteria <laughs> lined up. Wow, I would, you went way deeper than I was going <laughs> I took the assignment very seriously, Aaron. Yeah, Aaron takes her work very seriously. Okay, since you clearly went the extra mile, <laughs> how about you start it off? Tell us one of your favorite albums. Okay, well, we're going we're gonna to go in no particular order. So these are top five favorite albums, but not first. In no order, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to start with Fallout Boys Whoa. 28 28 2008 album Folia Dur which I have vivid memories like another album on this list I was probably 9 years old when oh I first God. heard anything on this album and this is the generational gap between you and I you were 9 when you heard this meanwhile I'm in freshman year of high school i distinctly remember hearing i don't care on an airplane ride from coming back from hawaii to dc where okay. i grew up and i fell so in love with that song and then i just remember i mean i pulled up the album cover right now i remember seeing the bright red album cover with like the little dude in a bear costume. It is such an emo early 2000s exactly. punk rock song. And for people who know me well, punk rock is one of my favorite genres and definitely the genre and experiences I had growing up that inspired me to want to pursue a career in the music What industry. other songs are on that album? Oh, um, America's Sweethearts. Mm -hmm. Um... Tiffany Blues, $20 Nosebleed featuring Brendan Urie. Um, my favorite one is, um, what's, oh, what is my favorite one on here? Um, She's got the whole album downloaded oh, on yeah, I have my whole, streaming service here. So. Yes, I'm looking, I'm looking at Spotify. <laughs> um, America Sweethearts is such America a good song. America Sweetheart, okay. But this album was the soundtrack to a lot of my high school time and even early college, even really? though this was like a 20, 2008 album. Yeah, you, this would have been an old album by the time you were in college. Yes. But you graduated college in 2019. 2019. <laughs> <sighs> Good Lord. The reason, <laughs> the reason why I love this album is because it's, it's class, cl classic. Classic. It's classic Fallout Boy. <laughs> <laughs> it's Fall Out Boy in arguably their pop punk, punk rock prime, and it definitely was one of my- Primer than Sugar Were Going Down? Well, I mean, that was this, oh. was, the, this was the album, if I'm not mistaken, immediately following that album. Okay, then yes. So, so yes. So that would have- God, what was that album called? Right before this. You look oh, at, it had, look the, it up. It had was... the sheep on the cover. Um, yep. Hold on. Because that was the album that was between- Infinity on High, great album. Yeah, and that was the one that was uh, after whatever it was, Dance Dance was on. Yeah, from Dance, Under the Park Tree. Dance. Yeah. Falling apart to halftime. Um, but no, that the it's reason. It's just karaoke with Aaron and Aaron. I know. Let's, let's just make that the podcast. <laughs> um, but long story short, the reason why that album is my. The first one I'm talking about is it's the first album I remember 
really kind kind of diving into listening to my friends who are in pop punk bands in high school, riding around in the car with them, where I was really like, this is a genre that I vibe with. Do you own any vans? No, I've never owned any vans. What? I've never owned any vans, yet I will be emo forever. I have never finished my emo phase. It has been constant since about 2011. You should dye your hair black and cut bangs into your... I was Shigo from Kim Possible for Halloween two years ago. I do not look good with black hair because she has black hair and I wear a black mm-hmm. wig. Not my look. Not your look. Not my look. Yeah, Aaron and Aaron are both just like brownish blonde haired people. Yeah. Dirty blonde. So I'll pass, uh, I'll pass the torch over to you for your first album, but that goes with my criteria of where I was in life when I connect. That's why it's one of my favorites. Anyway. That was, wow. That was more in depth than I Oh, I'm going deep into I, that this. That was way more in-depth than I was expecting any of this to go. Oh, it's, go, it's going deep. Erin doesn't go... Uh, she, she doesn't, I don't go shallow. She doesn't go shallow. <laughs> she doesn't underdo anything. Um, okay, well, I've got written down on here at least seven, but I'm going to pick one uh, that was important to me back when I was a freshman in college. Uh, John Mayer is Born and Raised. Hell yes. Yeah. That album is one of those ones that I could listen to like all the way through without skipping a song. But uh, the song specifically, Queen of California, is the one that really got me was because when I was a freshman in college, I couldn't bring like my guitar amps. And what you guys can't see listening is behind us uh, here in the office, I have a gigantic half stack guitar amp mm-hmm. made for playing arenas. Heck and yeah. um, I was in a, like a alt-rock, prog-rock band in high school, and it was perfect for all the clubs we were playing, but when I got to my college dorm room, it was too big because my college dorm room was probably about the size of this office here, just tiny, and I didn't have room for anything, so all I had room for was an acoustic guitar, and I was trying to play like like Van Halen songs on my acoustic guitar. And I was like, this sucks. Uh, I don't know what to do. And my buddy's like, well, you, hey, you should check out uh, John Mayer. And I knew John Mayer from the Your Body is a Wonderland phase. Heck yes. The only reason I knew that song, quite honestly, was because uh, they sing it on The Office in one of their karaoke <laughs> things. So I got of course I got introduced to John Mayer through that. But uh, Born and Raised really got me because it was kind of that that album that bridged the gap between me wanting to do like rock music and me wanting to do like singer songwritery stuff right, right. or ad- like songwriter adjacent music. Uh, it really got me because all of a sudden I was learning to play these cool intricate guitar parts that weren't like shredder guitar solos. And it just, it literally turned me into a different kind of guitar player. So all the music you hear me play now, like the don't invite me to your wedding stuff, that was all directly ins- inspired by John Mayer. <laughs> directly inspired by uh, that album that came out in 2012 and had nothing to do with comedy. But that playing style really, really got me. That is the incredible thing about music is your inspirations can come from something that seemingly on paper would be unrelated. But that sort of goes back to some of the criteria. You know, where were you at when you found this album and what did what did this album do for you yeah that album came out the year i graduated from high school so wild it was a very transitory period of my life for a lot of reasons but that one 
there's like there's not a song on this album that I don't that I just don't love. But like Shadow Days got me through a breakup. Uh, oh yeah, we're we're getting into that territory on my end soon. But I feel like you. I mean, Aaron, you're an excellent guitar player, and as someone who is into guitar, has practiced guitar, and you play guitar very frequently and very well, I I feel like being inspired by or having a, a John Mayer album be one of their top five, especially is not even a, a guitar heavy like a yeah an electric guitar heavy album because that has very little electric guitar on it sure because stuff like uh continuum had electric guitar oh, but yeah. it was still softer but this is mostly i think like all acoustic yeah so like the one walt grace's submarine tests or whatever that song is i think it's about just a guy wanting to just be alone and i love that I just love that doing you. yeah just doing stuff that's like Back back then, I had really no friends in college. Like, I had my roommate and a couple of guys down the hall, but, like, I didn't have, like, a close group of friends because I didn't stay in touch with anybody from high school. And it's also funny. This is the t my 10-year high school reunion is this year. Oh, wow. And I got invited to the 10-year high school reunion. <laughs> I saw your tweet. You're like, people who plan their high school reunions, why? why? <laughs> it's, like, Same. it's like 40 years ago, like, when our parents were in high school, that it was a big deal to see people you hadn't seen in 10, 20, 30, 40 years. Sure. But I mean, we keep up with everybody on the internet. We see day-to-day -day updates. Oh, Michael had his baby. <laughs> oh, my ex-girlfriend. Kelsey joined a pyramid scheme. <laughs> yeah, stuff like that. Like my ex-girlfriend married this guy that I hated from high school, of course. So it's like, yeah, I don't want to go back to stay in our sweaty high school gymnasium oh. and have everybody be like, so uh, what did you, what do you do? And you're like, oh, well, I just work, you know, down at the insurance company. Wait, are high school reunions held at the high schools? They don't even like go to like a nice hotel, like ballroom? I was under the impression that high school reunions Why? were at the, like at the high school. <laughs> Why would a bunch of late 20, early 30 year olds want to go to a sweaty high school gym after hours? That seems so yeah, what are Awful. we going to do? Have the teachers we didn't like in high school? Can you school? even bring alcohol into a high school? No, that can't be what happens, I have Aaron. no idea. But Listener. there's like 70 people in this <laughs> uh, Facebook group that I'm part of. And I had a class of 800, which is proof that that many people don't want to be involved in this. Your graduating class was 800 people? Oh, yeah. Mine was 400. Yeah, I went to a big high school. I thought I went to a big high school. Wow. Yeah, my high school population, I think, was almost 3,000. Wow. Yeah, so the year after I graduated, they opened a new high school because the two high schools in my hometown were grossly overpopulated. So all of this to say, Aaron, are you going to this high school reunion? Hard pass. Oh, okay. That's going to be a no from me, dog. <laughs> That's my saying. <laughs> um, uh, that's Randy Jackson. You don't get to co-op that. Okay. Sorry, Randy. That is yours, <laughs> but I am also using it a lot. So thank you for your service, Randy Jackson. Yeah. I that, never thought I'd say this on but this podcast. John Mayer, born and raised. And I just heard, uh, I was talking to Drea Gordon about having her on another show coming up. And she's a songwriter girl here in town. For those of you who don't know Drea, she was one of our uh, Trendsetter Shorty videos Yay. a couple months ago that Aaron here produced. And um, I asked her to play, and she was like, oh, I can't play that night. And I was like, oh, that's fine. What do you got going on? She's like, yeah, I'm going to see John Mayer. And I was like, great excuse to not play around. <laughs> yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Yeah, but uh, that'll be my only John Mayer pick for the day.
I'm not going to do any uh, any overlapping artists. That was that was one of my criteria was that I wanted to pick something different from everybody. Okay. Because I could have picked five albums from one band. Well, I was well. I will say that's something that we have in common with these picks is mine. Uh, do not. I don't have any repeat artists. Um, yeah, I really wanted to. I was I was at a coffee place before coming here today, sitting here writing this list, and I was like, damn, it really comes to mind now that my favorite albums are all from like two or three artists wow yeah so okay i'm gonna this one is a little bit more predictable aaron you're gonna get a, a kick out of this so the second album i am choosing as one of my top fives is hansen's naturally 2004 album not what i was expecting underneath now i'm, I'm gonna, not familiar <laughs> with this album at all well i'm gonna have to school everybody listening for a second. Let me let me learn you some stuff. So Hanson is my favorite band. Aaron knows this. Actually, our friendship began because you would make fun of me very nicely for loving them. That's one of the first things we talked about when we met. You have a reel on your Instagram of something. <laughs> tell 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 our listeners what this reel is. That that's how I discovered this love of Hanson. One of with the you. first reels I ever uploaded on Instagram before I even lived here was me ordering a t-shirt off of Etsy from Sweden. That's one of the <laughs> funniest things I've ever seen. That's it's a kind of a popular internet meme. It is one of the classic pictures of Little Hansen, like 1997 Hansen where they all had the long 90s blonde hair. And they all have, it's like a school yearbook photo of all three of them. One of the Olin Mills photos. Literally. And they're all like looking into the camera very seriously, right? And underneath it just says Nirvana. (laughs) (laughs) And Nirvana and Hanson are two of my favorite bands. I cracked up when I saw that. And it's me opening the package of this shirt that I'd waited two months for and I just erupt with elation. Mm -hmm. It was amazing. I should have worn it today. But the reason why Hanson's album underneath from 2004 is one of my favorites because a yes Hanson made music after umbop and they have an incredible discography after that they just or they're they're getting ready to release another album that they're going to be touring this summer anyway but this album was their first independent album where they had been in the spotlight. They were the biggest, quote-unquote, boy band in the world, and their record labels were screwing them over, and they were like, we're just going to go out and go on our own because we have this music that we're ready to release, and we're going to put it out there. So they started their own label, 3CG, 3-Car Garage Records, and 3-Car Garage was their first album. Oh, that's cute. I know! Um, Because back then, they definitely were all able to drive. Oh yeah, for sure. Well, by this point, they by this could. point they but, were. But in 1995, I want. What to year say, did this come out? 2004. They yeah, were all... by 2004, they all bop. <laughs> they had to drop it an octave. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this is such a beautiful album because I guess for me, because I'm dividing this into this cri- criteria that I for some reason came up with. This is also what what the artists did. This is groundbreaking for them. In addition to the music just being incredible, because they created their own label. This record broke a ton of independent record records. Mm-hmm. It was really groundbreaking for them. My favorite song in the world called Penny and Me is on this record. Some other, I mean, every song, I, I don't skip any songs on this album. Strong Enough to Break, that was the name of the documentary that they made while they were making this album about them breaking away from their record labels okay. like Island Def Jam. 
underneath, misery, lost without each other. It is such a beautiful cohesion of really sad, really emo sort of indie pop rock songs and then really dancey, awesome, very Hanson-esque songs. (laughs) And I love this album. It is very bright and I, I just adore it. It is. I don't know if album. anybody else in the world knows that Hanson is still making music. And they sell out every show. They played at the, oh gosh, what was it? So in 2017, when I moved to Nashville, uh, I was working downtown at the time at a, uh, a youth hostel, which is now closed down on First Avenue. But there was an unusually like crowded, I think it was like a Wednesday or a Thursday. Mm-hmm. And we had like a full house and I'm sitting here like, what, what the heck? We had like a 400 bed, basically hotel. And I was like, this is highly unusual to have it be mm-hmm. completely booked up. And I started inquiring with people. It's like, why, what are you doing in town? And they're like, oh, you're for a concert. And I was like, oh, well, that makes sense. Like, it's like, there's always big concerts at the Nissan stadium or at the Bridgestone arena. And they're like, no, this one's at the, uh, the wild horse saloon. And I was like, Really? Like, that's usually just like a square dancing, like, honky-tonk cover bar. And they're like, yeah, well, Hanson's playing. And it's like, mbop, Hanson. Uh, to so, make every yeah. mega Hanson fan cringe is just to be like, oh, the mbop guys. <laughs> oh, yeah, they are the mbop guys forever. I know, they are. They're, they're proud of that. But this, I mean, this is the album that really committed me to being a fan for life. And Hanson fans are crazy. They will camp out for days for those shows. I camped out for eight hours and drove to Atlanta round trip <laughs> by myself. Oh, yeah. No, I am a huge Hanson fan, mega fan. Lucas Carpenter, one of our artists, is also a huge Hanson fan. Really? Shout out to him for supporting He's old my enough love. to have been a timely fan of Hanson, though. Yeah, I'm definitely on the—I mean, I was born—I had just been born when Umbop— came out that was 96 seven woof so anyway but they are incredible if any of you have any interest in learning more about hansen this is my if pitch you to are you. hansen <laughs> if you are hansen <laughs> if you are hansen we are doing a 90s themed pool party in august this year if you want our hansen and you want to play <laughs> we can make that happen oh my gosh <laughs> and then you can sign my 40 page thesis i wrote on hansen and their fandom that I got an A on for my last ever college project. I love that for you. <laughs> so that's that's album number two. That is just, uh, I will love Hanson for the rest of my life. Anyway, <laughs> back to you, Aaron. Okay, I'll do one of those like, uh, like changing albums. Like I don't want to say groundbreaking because um, at the time, Van Halen was probably at the height of their career. This came out in 1991. This is their album, For Unlawful Carnal Knowledge, which, um, if you spell that out, is uh, fuck. And Beautiful. The, it's one of those albums I can't skip a song on. Every okay. single one is incredible. But through the uh, 80s, in 1986, when Sammy Hagar came on as the singer, they kind of departed from the really like hard, fast kind of rock that they did with David Lee Roth and kind of started doing more pop, uh, singy rock kind of stuff so it was because it was sammy hagar and his whole different band dynamic but um they started doing really pop and keyboard heavy stuff that started with songs like jump in 1984 beautiful but in 1990 they brought back their 
producer from the 70s named Ted Templeman, mm-hmm. and he's this legend of a classic rock producer, and he brought the band kind of back to that really hard rock forefront, and they put this album out, and it literally starts with Eddie Van Halen holding his guitar and a power drill over it, and he goes, and then, oh, it's the, it's just out of this world because that's what Eddie was popular for was doing non-traditional things on his guitars and literally putting a power drill on it because you know on electric guitars they have the two little metal pickups if you hold a power drill those magnetic pickups pick up the sound even if it's not touching the guitar which is just wild to me so that album really changed me because I heard that one uh, for the first time I bought the CD of it and I think it was like 2009 or mm-hmm. 10 around the t- like a couple of years after I'd started playing the guitar mm-hmm. and it was just it floored me mm-hmm. it floored me but then there's this one short instrumental song called 316 which uh is just the instrumental guitar that's about a minute and a half long uh and 316 is after March 16th which was the day that his son was born so he named one of the songs yeah. after his kid but that whole album is just top to bottom incredible. And like Brandon Ellis and I just <laughs> geek out on Van Halen, all things Van Halen. And that was one of the hardest picks for me was picking which yeah. Van Halen album I, I knew, wanted. I knew you were going to have a Van Halen, at least one Van Halen pick on your yeah. list. Yeah, I wanted to, like the first Van Halen vinyl I got was 5150, and that yeah. was their first one with Sammy. Mm-hmm. But this one is... uh. It's like it's harder to find vinyl pressings of this because by 1990, they had started using less um, vinyl because CDs and cassettes were becoming so much more popular. And it's harder to find vinyl pressings. So I could just buy one online, but I'm waiting for the day when I like happen upon one at a record store. That's what I'm waiting for because I have a collection of a ton of other Van Halen albums. I have six others at home, so I'm trying to collect them all old school instead of just like amazon.com <laughs> yeah i don't want to do that i so i'm taking it you're a big sammy hagar guy like you you almost like, prefer the sammy era i that's what i was picking up almost which prefer the sammy era. i feel like i mean i i like van halen i do i've seen them live love their music but i maybe i'm wrong i feel like most van halen fans probably prefer they david prefer lee roth david lee roth like van hagar as it was dubbed got, caught a lot of slack yeah. because hard rock fans didn't like synthesizer keyboards sure. and that was that was what the eight, late 80s really became in a lot of music was synthesizer mm-hmm. stuff so they didn't like that van halen was following suit yeah but hot dog do i like it well you know you like what you like and that is the great thing about music is to have the freedom to like whatever you want so yeah it was a very different playing style and uh there's just so many songs on that album that are just absolutely just hard rock as hard rock can be love it yeah it reminds me of being in high school and just like bothering my family with how loud the music was in my bedroom it's not a phase mom sorry dad (laughs) well speaking of Vinyls. Okay. This, I have a a record wall in my bedroom. Yes. So I probably have 20 vinyl records 
all but two are not from past the year 1985. So oh. I, other than punk rock, my favorite genre is 80s pop, 80s new wave. And surprisingly, I, I don't did ha- not know this about you. What? You, you know how no much idea. I love the 80s? Other I had than no 90s. idea. But so other than punk rock and pop punk, 80s new wave is my favorite genre. And that is almost all of the vinyls on my wall. But an 80s new wave or 80s pop record did not make this list. What? But of, Wow, that was one hell of a setup to be like, just kidding. But the here but here's the 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 catch here is of the two albums on my wall that are from after 1985. Okay. One of which is Maroon 5's 2007 album, It Won't Be Soon Before Long. I'm not familiar with this one. This is the It Makes Me Wonder album. Really makes me wonder if I ever gave up oh, yeah. about you. Yeah. Um. So going back to that same plane ride that we talked about with the Fall Out Boy album. What we're hearing is that this plane ride changed Cooper's life transformed (laughs) my appreciation for pop music um truly though it did we should fly coops around not to go anywhere but to just be like go listen to some music so that we're on the air and in the air with Aaron and Aaron finally (laughs) finally we can do uh, we can do Aaron with Aaron and Aaron in the air and and I don't know close enough close enough it's it's a working title that sounds like the uh, EBDBB and B&B what? That's a joke from a show called The League that I'm watching right now. It's about fantasy football. But anyways, continue. Oh, well, so this this album is, uh, I don't have a super long, deep explanation like I did for the last two for it, other than the fact that even though I was exposed to the music from this album, and I do feel that 2006 to 2008 in general were very revolutionary and essential years in modern pop music. I mean, we were having peak Rihanna, peak Maroon 5, Britney, you know, all of these pop icons. Mm. Oh, yes. Her circus album. I was, you know, fifth, sixth grade when this was happening. And so those were very formative years for me absorbing pop music when I was not just listening to music that had come out in years prior that I was being exposed to. I was old enough to appreciate music coming out in real time. So even though I fell in love with, you know, Makes Me Wonder, um, If I Never See Your Face Again, I don't think I got that full title right, but that's another great song that had Rihanna during her Good Girl Gone Bad era. She was featured on that song. This album is peak Maroon 5. It is the epitome of pop rock. It is so good. It is so raunchy. It is so sharp. Adam Levine looks so good in every music video and was this before his entire torso was just a tattoo yes this was i I have to look it up i don't know if this was right after songs about jane this might have been the album right after that you know i don't mind Mm -hmm. spending every day i'm like singing so much on this podcast we don't need this um (laughs) but i i just think that that album was such a perfect snapshot of prime pop music from the early to mid 2000s and i really grew to appreciate this during a time where did you have an ipod that all of this lived on 
Oh, yeah. I had the like, middle school dramatic movie scene bus ride iPod playlist where I would look out the school <laughs> bus window on the way home and think I was in a dramatic movie scene. Where you pull up your hoodie and you're just like, I'm just waiting for it to rain. Literally. Literally. <laughs> um, but I really grew to appreciate this album fully last spring, about a year ago, when I really got into running. And I would just listen to about five of these songs on loop from this album because just so so good but do you um, always have those like like a song you listen to every time you jog i am a psychopath where i will pick one song i'll I'll run for about an hour at a time and i will literally Holy play crap well i mean i run between probably four and six miles regularly someone's in good shape well i just quarantine did it to me i became obsessed with running but I definitely will pick one to three songs that I will just play on repeat the entire time I'm running. And I like that moment when you're jogging. I've been jogging a little bit too lately, but yeah. when you when you get that one song where you're like running at the exact beat of the song, you're like, yeah, yeah. I'm doing it right now. That's and then the, the song point. is over and then I lose focus and I'm like, eh, I'm going to walk now. Yeah. <laughs> no, but this album is so... Awesome. And like I said, of I don't have very many modern albums on my record wall and I don't listen to a ton except for my radio job. I don't listen to a ton of modern pop music. <laughs> and this is one of two albums that are idolized in my room. Idolized. I've got records hung up at my house, but all of them are Van Halen. <laughs> Beautiful. I have five Van Halen albums displayed on my living room wall. We love it. I have a sixth Van Halen album, but there's no more room on my wall. Mm-hmm. R.I.P. Rip in peace. Rip in peace. <laughs> um, okay. So my next one is Hotel California from the Eagles. Heck yes. That's on my record wall. Same. I or I not hung up, but I have it on display on my like entertainment center below my TV next to my vinyl player. I've got a little what used to be a book stand, but is now just a, a vinyl display. So I keep that one up. I listen to that album a lot. But a couple of days ago. I went to Third and Lindsley here in Nashville and watched uh, the Eagle Maniacs, which are an Eagles cover band, and they played for like two and a half hours. They played every hit that that band ever wrote. And there's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. Mm-hmm. And they played Don Henley solo hits, and Aww. it was so, it was so much fun. Oh, I love Don Henley. Wow. Mm. All yeah. she wants to do is dance. Anyway. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, uh. I told you, yeah, this is uh, karaoke with Aaron and Aaron, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> so why do you love this album? Um, Not for any, like, I honestly don't even remember when I really discovered Eagles music. Because everyone and their dog has heard Hotel California, the song. Yeah. But that's, like, that is, that's, like, I, I don't even want to call it their most popular song. But I guess... I guess it probably is, wouldn't you say that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but, like, Hotel California came out in 1976, and it's got uh, New Kid in Town and Life in the Fast Lane and Victim of Love, and, oh, my God, there's just so many good songs on this album. But uh, I really don't know why uh, this album came into my life, but um, I remember that freshman year of college, again, that transitory period of my life, Mm -hmm. um, me and my... One of my buddies who was in the guitar program at the college I went to, um, we were talking about like the the greatest guitar solo ever, which is obviously such a subjective conversation to have. But for two 19-year-old bros in a dorm room, we were like, this is the most important conversation of our lives. <laughs> and 
we came to an impasse with uh, Stairway to Heaven and Hotel California, and we basically decided that there's two greatest guitar solos ever, and it's Stairway to Heaven is the greatest, like, classic rock, like, rock song guitar yeah. solo, and that the guitar solo in Hotel California is more of, like, a melodic songwriter's guitar solo. So the Eagles really just kind of treaded that line between being like, I guess at the time, they were probably considered like a hard rock band mm-hmm. and being like, because uh, songs like uh, Take It Easy, is that's, oh, a, yeah. that's a country song. Literally. Like, there's a banjo on it. Uh-huh. The first album from the Eagles, that had Take It Easy on it, and that was just a country song. So. They had really just changed the dynamic of their band because they brought on a new guitar player. They had Joe Walsh at that time. And it was just like revolutionary for the band because they used that double neck guitar and everything. It's just so cool. And it's, it's just one of those albums where you're like not upset that it's on. I'm not going to seek it out every day. But yeah. if I'm in the car in Hotel California or one of these songs comes on the radio, I'm going to stay in the car until the song's over. Would, would you skip any of the songs on that album? I mean, there's some that I don't, I don't know, like off the top of my head. I don't know Wasted Time or Try and Love Again off the top of my head. But, I mean, uh, I'm not going to – if I'm playing the vinyl at home, I'm not going to like – lift up the oh, needle. Oh, no, never, skip never. It. I feel like also when I'm, when I'm playing vinyls in general, it's usually when I'm very much doing something. I'm either Same. doing my makeup or cleaning or whatever. So I listen I'm, to my vinyls most when I clean, yeah. The intention is not to go, you're like, you're not in a mindset or in a situation where you can go and adjust. Mm-hmm. You want to just let it go, right? right? So and see, like, with my hearing aids, I can stream music right from my phone, but... When I'm using my vinyl player and I have the speaker set up in my living room, I feel like I'm not like as like pounded into listening. So yeah. it's just a little it's like passive listening yeah, rather it's background than background noise. Yeah, rather than active listening. Yeah. Sure. Cool. Yeah, but Hotel California is probably one of mine and I feel like it's kind of a cop out since it's such a popular record, but it's still one of my faves. No, you like what you like. No shame. Nothing has to be don't be ashamed for liking something mainstream. I like tons of mainstream stuff. So, okay, what's uh your fourth pick? My fourth pick. We gotta put some ladies in here. Yeah, we've, we've got picked to, a we've picked a lot of bro done power all here. White men. Um, so, <laughs> which is it's fine, you know, whatever. But we gotta throw some ladies in here, and that's not why I picked this album. I wasn't like I need to put a girl in here. What do I do? No, because this album. Now we're getting into like the the breakup. Oh, there situation. We go. Here we go. So it is going to be Paramore's album, After Laughter. After Laughter. After Laughter. We love Paramore. We love Haley Williams. Haley Williams lives in Nashville. She does, and I am waiting until I can see her. Not so that I can go up and talk to her and bother her, but just so I can say I experienced her essence. You want to walk up to her and not say anything and just... Just like, stare at her and Dead heavy. stare her in the eye. <sighs> 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 <laughs> And she's going to be like, hey. Hey. And you're like, sorry, I love you. And then run away. And then run away. Uh, Well, so listeners are probably sensing a theme here. I mean, I've been saying this whole time how much I love pop punk. punk, And this is yet another pop punk album. 
technically. I mean, it's 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 probably up to up through this point their least pop punky work that they had put out. I mean, if you know, it's compare no misery it, business. Exactly. Um, but that is who they will forever be, right? So not misery business, but known as right. in the pop punk realm. So this was the soundtrack to the summer after my Were you sophomore on a flight? year of college. Were no, you on a flight? I was not on a flight. For not this. the same flight? <laughs> I was driving. This was the summer soundtrack after my sophomore year of college when my family was moving from my childhood house that I grew up in pretty much my whole life from the time I was two years old until 20 at this point. And I had scored my internship with the NFL and was working for the NFL doing broadcast stuff. And I had gone through, at that point, a very intense and difficult but important breakup and had entered a new relationship with someone that at the time had a lot of promise and was giving me affection and giving me elements of a relationship that up to being a 20-year-old, I had not experienced from a romantic partner. Mm-hmm. Not that as a 20-year-old, you have that many opportunities. And looking back, you know. Still... Looking back, I had none of those opportunities. Right. So, <laughs> I, you know, I hadn't had many relationships up through that point and still really haven't. But anyway, that's besides the point. The reason why... <laughs> Just unpacking, just unpacking a lot here. It's like, so we're going to quit talking about the album so, now, and it's going to yeah. be Aaron and Aaron this cry is... and moan about our single lonely lives. No, so <laughs> this is all context because this was a huge album for Haley Williams. This was about her divorce and her separation from her husband, who was a member of Newfound Glory, who she had been with for, I think, a decade got married to, and then their marriage did not last. And the reason why this album connects to me so much is because so much of the, so many of the songs on this album are very upbeat. Like you have hard times, you have fake happy, which are super upbeat, dancey, sort of almost 80 new wave, 80s new wave-esque songs, my favorite genre, but all shrouded with very deep, dark, intense topics right fake happy is about putting on a fake happy face despite the fact being miserable and kind of getting off to the fact that you can convince people that you're happy um forgiveness is another great song on that album it's 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 how she is grappling with this beautiful roller coaster she was going through of this freedom from this relationship and the difficulty that she had go i mean yes it's a breakup album but the way that it was crafted to be bright and happy and then very sorrowful and and dark and wallowing is so awesome. And I remember those were all things that I was experiencing when I was going through this breakup. And it is my, in terms of the albums I'm talking about today, I think if we look at my criteria I came up with, the cohesion of mm-hmm. this album, even though everything is so different, the flow of it makes perfect sense with how a breakup goes. And like it, the five stages of death or something. Grief. Grief. We're not dying. I don't think anyone dies yet. Sure. <laughs> but uh, yes. There's. I guess there's only one stage of death. It's just dead. Yes. <laughs> well, that was. God. That'll be my new band name. Five stages of death. Uh, not. Not. What is it? Five finger death punch. Five. Five, finger, five stages of death. So this <laughs> this album. 
you know, got me through a breakup. It got me through the beginnings of a new relationship that taught me a lot as well. And it was just what I would listen to in the summer with my windows down, driving to and from my internship. And I just remember that every time I listen. Aw. Yeah. That's cute. Yeah. Okay, so before I get into my next one, um, you're listening to this at least in April of 2022 sometimes. So everyone has already heard the tragic news that uh, Taylor Hawkins, the drummer Stop. of... I was not the, ready for this. Yeah, the drummer of the Foo Fighters died suddenly on tour down in South America. Um, Foo Fighters have been my favorite band for 15 years. I saw them a couple of times. Thank yeah. God. Thank God. I saw them in 2015. Thank I God. I saw them in 2011 with my buddy Andrew, and I saw them in 2014 with my buddy Joel, who was the drummer of my band in high school. But uh, this is a pick that comes uh, with a heavy heart because oh. um, I uh, clearly, you and I are both. I texted Aaron as soon <laughs> as I'd heard about it, and that happened on, that was Friday of this mm -hmm. past week. I was like, I already updated my socials. <laughs> I, uh... Yeah, I had, I had just heard when I texted you, and I had already had a garbage day on Friday yeah. just for like a million reasons. It was just mm -hmm. a hard day. I had two flat tires God. at the same time. Literally unreal. 12 flat tires in five years in Nashville for you. Yes. Unreal. Yeah, but um, the Foo Fighters have been my favorite band for a very long time, and before I tell you my pick, I'm going to tell you a fun story about in 2011 when I went to see them for the first time. That was in Kansas City. And that was at the time when the Westboro Baptist Church was still notorious for picketing uh, concerts and everything. Have you heard of the Westboro Baptist yes, Church? You're yes, familiar yes, yes. with? Oh, I know where this is going. I know where so, this is going. The Westboro Baptist Church was picketing and protesting this Foo Fighters concert, which was in, I think, like May of... of uh, 2011 and um they were just signs and shouting yeah, yeah. but the foo fighters had <laughs> about uh, probably weeks prior they had put out a song as a video like a little spoof i don't even remember what it was called but they dressed up as truckers and uh, i think it's called like hot buns or something but it was all about gay trucker sex and it was nice like it was a hilarious music video and that's one of right. the things Foo Fighters were famous for is goofy music videos mm -hmm. but they put out this music video and I'm pretty sure that's what the Westboro Baptist Church was protesting but uh when me and my buddy were walking up to the arena in Kansas City we saw all of these protesters and then there was a police escort and I'm like Oh crap! I'm wow. Like this seems like dramatic. Like what's going on? And then we saw a, f a flatbread, flatbread, flatbread. Ooh, yum! It's lunchtime. Pepperoni. We saw a flatbed semi truck driving up, and then heard music starting to play. And I was like, "No way! No way! No!" Oh! And the Foo Fighters were driving up on this flatbed truck, playing the song from this music video about how it's. Like, we don't need to hate each other. We just need to love each other. And they just p sat there and played that whole song on a truck. And me and my buddy were six feet away from the band. Oh, It's so, like, gosh. there was no police detail stopping people. There was no, like, security fence. There was just us. And then at two arms lengths away was Dave Grohl. Oh, my 
Gosh. But Ugh. they were all dressed up in their their wigs and their yeah. like like stick on beards and stuff. Mm -hmm. But I went to see Foo Fighters. And that was 2011 when they were on their mm -hmm. uh, tour for Wasting Light, which is not the album I'm picking, surprisingly. <laughs> which was a ter terrific twist. setup. Yeah. But no, that that's that's one of the like the hardest picks was this one or the other one. But um, before I tell you the pick, did you hear that uh, they put out an album? On Friday? Yes, it was from their movie that I saw the, the premiere movie. of. I saw the premiere of the movie, and I'm so happy that Studio I did. Studio 666. So good. So I haven't so seen good. the movie yet. Let, I'll go see it again with you. Yeah, that'd I be love great. It. Where did you see it? The Whatever the pretty movie theater is in a, a Hundred Oaks, A Thousand Oaks, whatever that is. Okay, yeah. I'm still new here. I don't know. The Regal Cinemas. Beautiful. I'll go with you. Yeah. <laughs> but they put out that album called uh, Dream Widow. So mm -hmm. I haven't listened to that yet. I haven't either. But. The album I'm picking is their 1999 release, um, There's Nothing Left to Lose. Gosh, yes. Which was the first album Taylor played on. Yes, Did you know that? Yes, yes, yes. Because he wasn't technically not an original he wasn't, member. He was not an original member. He joined in 1997 after William Goldsmith left the band, and he joined them for their tour on the second album, The Color and the Shape. Oh, yes. But uh, they hadn't done recording with him yet. And like one of the things that's like really famously spoken about is like how hard it must have been being the drummer in Dave Grohl's band knowing know. that, knowing that, that the, the singer of your band is one of the most famous drummers of all time honestly it troubles me every day I think about yeah <laughs> so <clears throat> I picked there's nothing left to lose not because of it being Taylor's first album but because that was one of that's been one of my favorite albums for a really long time great album and um it's a uh a staple of their like live shows. They play Learn to Fly, um, Generator, Aurora. But you ask one one of the criteria you asked about earlier is like uh like the emotional or like the breakup thing. Mm -hmm. There's a song on that album called Generator. Yeah. That I like I had the C D in my car. Like I just had the single C D player in my car. Um and that song Generator came on after I kissed the first girl ever of my life when I was seventeen. <gasps> Gosh. So every time, even today, I'm 28 years old. Wow. Every time I have like a good date or like kiss a girl for the first time, I go back and listen to that song. Oh my gosh. <laughs> because I'm thrown back to that moment when I'm 17 leaving my girlfriend's house. And I was like, this is what love feels like. Oh my, Aaron, this is the best moment of this entire podcast. I love that. <laughs> Music is so powerful. And see, that song is completely not. A love song at all, but that riff I hear in my head throws me back to yes. being on a four-wheeler with my first girlfriend. <laughs> oh, Aaron, that is so awesome. <laughs> yeah, so Yay. that's one of my favorite albums. I think I'm actually going to get the, uh, so you know the cover of that album mm -hmm. is Dave Grohl's head with the Foo Fighters tattoo on the back of his neck? Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to get it on the back of my neck, but I think I'm going to get the FF tattoo somewhere on I my arm. I would love you. Yeah, you should do that. Yeah, I think I'm going to get that tattoo. I've been wanting to get a new tattoo for a while, but this seems like a, uh, a moment for it. Yeah. Yeah. But um, before we get to our last pick, we are going to take a quick commercial break. I would say a word from our sponsors, but um, uh, we use a platform that puts in random commercials, so we don't know what's coming up. The mystery. The, the mystery of whoever paid our podcast people release platform a certain dollar amount that we don't even know. 
but you're going to hear a commercial. We'll be right back with the Nashville Tour Stop Podcast. Welcome back to the Nashville Tour Stop Podcast. I'm Aaron here I'm with Aaron. OG Aaron. The other Aaron. <laughs> so it's funny that we've become friends and coworkers here because when I was a child, like back in the 90s, a child, when you were when you were a baby. Okay. And I was in first grade or uh, okay. kindergarten and something that was like 1999 2000 yeah uh, my best friend's name was also Aaron wow so uh he and I met in probably 97 or 98 and we were friends all through uh elementary school mm-hmm. and then all the way through high school mm-hmm. and then we lived together our fir- our freshman year of college wow so for Aaron and Aaron let's see like 19 years there was Aaron S and Aaron B that's cute yeah, so That's in college, cute. our freshman year, I told people to call him Aaron and call me Shilb. I just like was like, I'm going to go by my last name. I'm tired of being Aaron S. Well, that's funny because I know you call me Coops and, or Coop, and that would end up happening. I mean, at my new station that I worked at before I lived here, we had three Aarons wow. that were all on-air talent, too. Wow. And so I became Coop yeah. or Cooper. So I, I get the last name. I call you Coops. Coopy. Coopy. I called you spooky once. I like that. For ho- for Halloween season, the fall, perfect. Have you seen that meme of a, a spider drinking chocolate milk? No. It's a, it's it's a dumb <laughs> internet meme, but okay. it's it's like a like a Microsoft Paint drawn. Oh my gosh. Uh spider <laughs> that says I like drinking spooky chocolatey milk and every Aaron, time I what? say every time I call you spooky <laughs> and then Coops, I'm like, I need just need to start calling you Spoopy. Well, I I, I go by uh, Spoopy Coopy on Twitter every Halloween. I change my name. Do to you that. really? Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> well, I might have just decided a new nickname for you. Beautiful, cool. I love it. So we are discussing our top five favorite albums, uh, and we have been loosely going by some criteria that i Very loose. pondered this morning while i was trying to pick my five favorite slash best albums i'm glad that opinion. you picked the criteria because i was just going to i just i kind of threw it all out there and uh <laughs> my my final pick here to no one's surprise is once again a pop punk album no one's surprised literally all but two of these have been pop punk but anyway so it is going to be the mains album lovely little lonely and funny enough i just saw them live for the third time last night oh yeah they were here in town weren't they at cannery ballroom so that would have been on march 26th is when i saw them and they have been one of my favorite bands since about 2015 i I think i met them in 2012, because ah! I worked, or 2011, I was interning at a venue up in Missouri, and I was an intern for the talent buyers, and I met, like, Portugal the Man, and wow. I, met a, I met a bunch of bands, like um, Angels and Airwaves, like, I met a wow. bunch of, like, pop punk bands, but back then, that was not my music scene at all, mm-hmm. so 
I, whenever I'd meet these people, I'd just be like, oh, cool. You're just another band whose show I'm not allowed to go to because it's 21 plus. Oh, that was the worst. That was truly. That's why I couldn't go to Hanson shows for so long was because I was such a young Hanson fan because all Hanson fans were moms at that point. And, they had, <laughs> and Hanson has a liquor line. They have mm, hops, a beer, a beer. line. <laughs> oh my God. And so they would promote that at their shows, which is another reason why they were 21 and up. And so literally. I want to start the Nashville Brew Stop. Let's do it. Brewer Stop. Okay. Beer. I'm here for it. Yeah. Anyways, go on. So, the main. So the main. So they've been one of my favorite bands since about 2015. I was a little late to the party because they've been around, I want to say. Early 2000s. Yeah, early 2000s. Um, they have hit every album. I love all of their albums. But this one is unskippable for me. Um, I mean, just to go down the list, literally in order of the songs on that album that are my favorites. And it's literally the order of the album itself. Don't Come Down, Bad Behavior, Black Butterflies and Deja Vu, Taxi, Do You Remember, The Sound of Reverie, How Do You Feel. That entire album is so Good, because I think it perfectly encapsulates everything the main stands for. I think this encapsulates their sound, which is very rocky, very vibey, synthy, gritty, but also um, very light and kind of wavy in certain ways. And it really hit the mark on the relationship with their fans. The main is one of my favorite bands because of how they treat their fans and how much they love them. Um, I met it's like us at Tour Stop. Yeah. We love our fans. We love our fans. Um, the main pre-COVID, the first time I saw them live was in 2017 when I was in Alabama. Um, the main, after every show pre-COVID, would go and meet anyone who wanted to meet them. That's cool. By their bus after the show. And this was after they'd already been doing this for, you know, 12, 13 years. They're still doing that. And the cool thing about the main is they have never been played on mainstream radio. They've never had a late night TV show performance. They've never, you know, they're not a household name. They're like a grassroots popular band. Sort of like Hanson, except they had that Hanson, in past life. Hanson had a hit. Well, no, but it was, <laughs> what I'm saying is, is not like today. Right. You know, pe people my age would not know them for that. But the main has none of these typical landmark. Career. Career. Things. Yeah. Landmark, career mile markers. Mile markers. Yes. Yet they sell out every show they play. They've had a committed. Was the ballroom sold out? Oh, yeah. Their show last night was sold out. They actually said last night was the most people that have ever come to a show of theirs in Nashville. And they've been doing this since like 2007. So yeah, I think the Cannery Ballroom is a thousand capacity or something, maybe just a little over a thousand. So that's that's huge. No, they're incredible. But the reason why I love this album is it's it's we're tickets like 20 bucks or something. I went for free, so I don't know. <laughs> Did you go Subtle with the radio flex. station? No, my uh, my friend um, is a talent booker for a couple of the venues in town. Ooh, Allison. So, yes, Allison Estes. Shout out to her. She's the best. We grew up in the Nova, pop punk Nova. We should have Northern her Virginia. on the podcast sometime. We totally should. I would love to. Um, I matched with her on Tinder. I think it was during <laughs> like the first week of COVID, back when all of us were just depressed and lonely and super single, and we were just matching with anybody who'd talk for four minutes literally <laughs> no Al allison's awesome um she grew up in the northern virginia cool. dc pop punk music scene like me um and sort of to, to wrap my picks all up in a bow it's it's perfect for mentioning her and the main uh the reason why these albums have all been so 
pop punk based for me mostly is that is the genre I grew up in. I had friends that were in pop punk bands in DC that would play 930 Club and all these awesome venues, uh, just like the Foo Fighters who have origins there who play mm-hmm. places like that. But that genre and albums like Lovely Little Lonely are what convinced me and solidified that I wanted to work in music because of bands like the main who treat their fans so well, who have this legacy, who have kick-ass music. I was like, this is why I want to tell the stories of musicians and bands like the main because of how cool they are and how they have saved the lives of so many fans with the connections they make with them. And music is really cool. And there's so many more albums that I love. I know we might get to honorable honorable mentions, which I literally won't even explain them. I will just list them whenever we're wrapping up. But I love. We music. can do a part two of this episode. There's definitely honorable I could definitely pick episode. a lot more. Oh yeah, but yeah, lo- love the main and Hanson and '80s music. Even though I did not have an '80s, not a single one album make this list. So not a single one. Not a single one. Not a single one. Fortunately, I have an 80s album on my list, but it'll be one of my honorable mentions. Okay. Um, my last one, my turn. Yeah. Okay. So for those of you who know me, you know me medium well, right? Yeah. 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 I would, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, my last pick is uh, Weird Al's 2006 oh, release, yeah. Straight Out of Linwood. Okay. I had been a fan, had been, I say past tense, have been, present tense, a fan of Weird Al for, let's see, I was born in 93. I've probably been a fan of Weird Al since 1998 or 9, because he had an album come out called Running With Scissors, and my older brother had that CD, and he would tell me, like, there's songs on this that are too appropriate for you, or too inappropriate for you to listen to. So I grew up thinking Weird Al was this, like, edgy songwriter. No, he's a comedy songwriter. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But um, me, with my influences now doing comedy music, uh, Weird Al has been one of my most influential acts of my life. But um, Straight Outta Linwood came out when I was um, in sixth grade, and that one... Was, it just floored me because it had white and nerdy on it. Yes. And <laughs> it was the first time I realized that Weird Al was doing parodies of popular songs because up until that point, I had just been under the impression that he wrote funny songs in different styles. But he does that pistache, or I think it's pistache, you know the word I'm saying? No. I don't know, but it's, no. it's like a stylized parody. So okay. when you hear me do... Um, how to write a country song? It yeah. is a stylized parody of like Luke Bryan style song, Stadium yeah. Stadium yeah, Country. Yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. Um, or the third wheel in my threesome is a like classic cowboy country <laughs> pistache. Man, I really wish I knew what that word is. For if you know what word I'm talking about, write send in. Us, send us a letter and tell. Send us that. a snail mail letter to our <laughs> office. Um. <laughs> But then he does traditional parody music where he parodies a popular song with different lyrics, which I also do. And you guys in the listening can't see it, but uh, right above my right above my computer monitor in the office, I have uh, 
have a parody that I wrote of Dust in the Wind by Kansas called Fart in the Wind. Dated January 25th, 2022. Yep. So I love parody music and Weird Al definitely is a not not just an influence. He is like ground zero for me writing comedy music. And Absolutely. this album is still one of my favorites to listen to because I have said many times, and I probably said this on the podcast with uh, Mike, our old host, years ago. I think I know more Weird Al lyrics than I know to songs that I wrote. Yeah. Just to a T. Yeah. Like, I can rap white and nerdy. Like, I would pay to see that, Aaron Schilb. <laughs> Maybe we can do that someday. Okay. But, uh, Weird Al Straight Out of Linwood is uh, one of my favorites, and they do like uh, parodies of, oh God, Cake and Rage Against the Machine and Chameleon Air and all of these other crazy cool bands that were super hot in 2006 and super hot, super hot, so <laughs> hip. They were painting the town red at the time. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I know, super dork, but. That album is just super important to me, and yeah. I don't have a whole lot more to say about it, but I just love it, and it's one of the reasons why I like writing funny songs. I'm so glad you concluded with that one because I know what an inspiration he is to you, and I think you do such unique work in music here in Nashville, just like Weird Al has in the world, and I think your your picks have perfectly encapsulated you as an artist and as a human, so that was really cool to hear about. I did my darndest. Did my picks <laughs> surprise you in any I way? I was surprised there was so much pop punk. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm learning more and more and more about you. I have probably, of all the shows I've been to here that weren't work related, I would say I have been to more pop punk shows or seen more pop punk acts here than any other really? genre of my volition okay. going to see them. So, well, let's, yeah. do a, let's do an honorable mention or two. Okay. What's one of yours? All right. Well, Harry Styles is going to make the honorable mention. That's um, that's what I was expecting. And in the moment here, I am going to pick if it's going to be his first album, his self-titled solo album, Harry Styles, or if it's going to be Fine Line, which is his most recent Is that the album. one with him in like pants that are yes, like pink yes, and blue yes, or yes. something? So... I'm literally going to pick on the spot which one it is right now. And I'm trying to cuz either one is so fantastic. I'm going to I'm going to go with Fine Line, which is his second album, not because his first one wasn't incredible because it was, but Fine Line was the first album I ever wanted and got on vinyl. I didn't even have a record player. And I was <laughs> determined to get that album and my parents literally bought me a record player for Christmas that year so That's I could cute. listen to it. So, that is my honorable mention. Honorable mention. Um, mine is uh, Mammoth WVH. Have you ever heard of Mammoth before? I've heard of Mammoth. I've never so listened. So Mammoth WVH is Eddie Van Halen's son's band. Mm -hmm. Yes, 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 yes. And Mammoth is actually coming to play in Nashville in May. Uh, I think it's like May, the second week of May sometime. And me and Brandon and Blake Ellis are all going. We got general admission tickets. Aww. We're going to go line up really early. Because, like, the, the... Camping out. It, probably. Probably, honestly. But the reason I love that album is because... Not because it's Eddie Van Halen's son, which 
is completely unrelated to the fact that it's just an awesome album. It doesn't sound like Van Halen at all, which I think is what honestly what he was probably going for because he didn't want it to sound like he was riding off the coattails of his dad, R.I.P. But um, the record is called Mammoth WVH, and he played every instrument on every song and wrote every song. Did you know that? No. Yeah, so... He did what Dave Grohl did with the first Foo Fighters album, played every song, sang wow. everything, wrote everything, and it shows. It's super tight, and it's super hard rock. Like, I don't listen to a lot of modern rock music. Frankly, I don't listen to a lot of new music at all, but this album really got me. Dig it a lot. Excited to go see the show in May. Yeah. Wish, wow. I, wish I was more famous and could get backstage. <laughs> Hey, you could get backstage if you try hard enough. You know someone. No, I'm just saying you could risk it all. And I know the talent. Backstage. I know the talent buyer at Marathon Music Works. I could ask for a favor. Yeah, make it happen. <laughs> Beg profusely. Please let me meet this bass player. Literally. Why not? Make yeah. it happen, Aaron. Yeah, but it's super cool. Um, y'all, thank you so much for listening. But before we get into our credits, what we're going to do is I'm going to do what we used to do with the podcast and we're going to have a Spotify playlist with let's say one song from each of the albums we picked. Oh, I love that. That we can listen to and that our listeners can listen to so they know what we're listening to. Heck, yes, let's do it. Yep, so that'll have uh 20 songs on it. Amazing. Or 10 songs on it. 10 songs on it. Yeah. Math. Math. We could do 12 if we include the honorable mention. Oh, gosh. We could do that. But, yeah, <laughs> we'll have a playlist for you guys to listen to from some of these albums to know what we like. Um, Aaron, tell us where they can find you on the internet. You can find me everywhere. Twitter, Instagram. Is that everything that people do? Talk. Yeah. The tick. Oh, TikTok. Yeah. TikTok. I sound so much older than I am not knowing to mention TikTok. Uh, she sends on... me TikToks very regularly. So she is on there. Literally. Uh, you can find me at On Air with Aaron. And Aaron is E R Y N because my parents decided to never let me buy a souvenir magnet with my name on it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm also on Facebook if you're into that um, at Aaron B. Cooper. Like B as in boy, that's my middle name, just because- Aaron Boy Cooper. Aaron Boy Cooper. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's where you can, cool. you can find me. You can find me on the internet at uh, the Aaron Shilb, across all platforms. Uh, no, actually not. I tried putting uh, the Aaron Shilb as my TikTok handle, but I don't think that that's it now anymore, but who cares? I don't do that much on TikTok. Anyways, you can follow us at Nashville Tour Stop uh, at NashvilleTourStop.com. You can find all of our live event dates. Our show calendar is up to date for at least the next uh, like three months or so. We've got a ton of shows coming up. We do. We've got shows on Sunday nights at the basement starting on April 3rd. Then we have Monday night shows at the Moxie Hotel downtown. We've got every other Tuesday at the Cambria Hotel. And then our newest venue i'm so stoked to be working with the um, vibes sunny's patio pub and refuge sunny's for short (laughs) up in germantown is super cool new place we're hosting uh, writers rounds and acoustic showcases so if you're listening to this and you're in town come on wednesday night starting at seven o'clock we'll be there um but in the meantime do remember that all roads lead right here to the the nashville Nashville tour Tour Stop. stop Yeehaw, Yeehaw, mother mother fucker. fucker.